Boy, I think, uh, I think we could just leave right now and say it's, it's been good to be at church today, has it not? It's been good. Been awesome. Hope you've enjoyed the, uh, the Sunday school class this morning. And one of my favorite passages of Scripture is Hebrews chapter 12. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And our D6 theme is simply endurance and uh, finishing the race. Matter of fact, the goal is to run the race of faith with endurance while accepting God's discipline, get that, and loving others. And uh, so we want to talk today about that theme of endurance and continuing on in the faith. And uh, by the way, I just want to say that next Sunday is a um, is promotion Sunday for us. Now, for the adults, I think you're pretty much going to stay uh, the same in your class. Uh, I'm thinking, unless we have any that are 49 that are turning 50 that may need to go to the 50 and up class, or is that what your class is? You have 50 and up? or 50 to 100. 50 to 100. <laughs> Eldridge class is 50 to 100. So if you want to make a, a confession that you're no longer in your 40s and you would like to move up, you can. But we're not going to make, put requirements on our adults for that. But uh, we do have it for our kids. And uh, so next Sunday is promotion Sunday for them. Uh, some will be moving up into new classes, new teachers, and, and, uh, and what have you. So I want to encourage everybody to be here at 9.30 next Sunday morning. We'll assemble in here together. Everybody in here together uh, will recognize those that are moving up. And we'll have certificates and things of that nature, uh, primarily for all the kids uh, that will be moving up into new classes. And then we're going to let them kind of go to their class possibly for just a few moments and then we're going to have a party over in the cafeteria until time for church at 10:30. There'll be uh, cupcakes and refreshments and things of that nature and just kind of fellowship together and just have a good time together. So that's next Sunday morning. So I want to encourage you all to be sure that you're here here for that. Uh, with that being said, uh, this is the last week that you're going to be studying in this particular um, curriculum that you have. We have new curriculum that will be passed out because next Sunday will begin a, a brand new uh, quarter for us in our curriculum. So be sure that you uh, have that. Uh, I think we don't, yeah, are we passing that out today? I think all the classes should have received their new curriculum. If you're here this morning you do not have that, uh, be sure to... Um, uh, see your Sunday school teacher or, or after, immediately after the service, find one of the uh, either deacons or layperson, somebody out there that be manning that, maybe Donetta and Dave, I'm assuming. Uh, so see them. Be sure you get that because you'll need your new curriculum and we do have it here for you today. But today we're talking about endurance. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 12. And we're just going to look this morning at verses 1 through 3. You've already unpacked this somewhat, a little, in your um, D6 Sunday School class this morning. It's what you'll be studying all week long. Uh, some fusion facts that you're going to be studying actually tomorrow. You're going to be reading out of Philippians, and you're going to be discovering how we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and just focus our attention on Him. Uh, you're going to see that trials help us learn to endure out of Romans. Uh, that's what we'll be talking about on our studying together collectively on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we're going to study how we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up, if we don't quit, if we don't grow weary in well-doing. The Bible says we will reap if we uh, don't quit. So I want to encourage you not to quit. Just keep on keeping on. And probably every single one of us, and I'll say more about this in a moment, every single one of us has had a reason along the way to quit. Huh? I mean, there's been something that's come up in your life that would... That, that maybe you even entertained the idea that I'm just going to quit. 
Is this even worth it? I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, I've been there. Matter of fact, even while here at Victory Church, there's moments when I think, you know what? I don't know if it's even worth it. And I get get discouraged a little bit. Maybe it's time to just quit. Go sell cars or something. But then kind of the Lord gives you a good kick in the pants and, you know, you can't do that. I've called you into this thing. Same thing for you. But we do get discouraged along the way, right? And so we're going to see that we'll reap a harvest if we just don't quit, if we don't grow weary in well-doing. Thursday, we're going to study together how, and the, the fact that we'll be studying is you'll never go wrong obeying God's Word. Uh, you just never go wrong with that, so obey Him. Uh, and then the fifth thing we're going to study on Friday is that God, get this, disciplines those that He loves. And uh, he'll be, uh, we'll be studying that out of Proverbs chapter 3 on Friday. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll look into the Word, and, and then I'll share a few thoughts for you this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time and the privilege to be able to open up the Word. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the many copies that we even have in our own possession. There are some people that live in some parts of our world that are so hungry for just a page or two out of our Bibles. God, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for not diving into your word every single day and gleaning truths and encouragement that comes from you. Thank you for the privilege to have a copy of the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts today. You'd open up our minds and and our hearts and, and that the Holy Spirit would do his work of illuminating the word today so that we can grow in our faith and be stronger Christians so that we won't quit, so we won't throw in the towel, so that we'll continue in the faith. And we ask you to speak to hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In this particular passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, I think it's very important that we understand that the writer of Hebrews is trying to convey a message to us, and the message is this. The Christian life is not a wind sprint. The Christian life is a marathon. You see, a lot of times in a wind sprint, and you've seen maybe some Christians that can parallel with this analogy that I'm going to share with you. In a wind sprint, we get all geared up for the first 100 meters. I love to watch the Olympics. I love to watch the, uh, the field and track on TV. And I love to see these athletes, men and women, get in those starting blocks and shoot out of those starting blocks and run the 100 meters or, or even the 200 or even the 400 meter race. Matter of fact, I forget his name, Bolt, Bolt, what, what's his name? Hussein, U-Bolt or Bolt? Bolt. I've watched the highlights of him on ESPN, breaking record after record after record, and the records that he's breaking are his own record after record after record, and watching this amazing athlete and the way that he runs the 100 meters and the 200, it's, it's amazing to see him and how fast he can go. But the sad thing about that is, nothing related to him, is that there's a lot of Christians 
that live their Christian life like he's running that race. I mean, they get all excited. They get all gung-ho, and then boom, they're out of the starting blocks, and they're so on fire for the Lord, and they're living for God, and they're, they're so in love with the Word, and, and they get in there and study it and read it, and they're praying, and they're going to devote, having their devotion time, and they're going to small groups or Sunday school classes. They're getting connected in the church. And they're getting involved in activity, and all of a sudden, you look around, and they're gone. What happened? What happened to that individual that was so on fire for the Lord? Well, I think they failed to take into consideration that the Christian life is a marathon. It's not a hundred meter sprint. Now, I get excited when I see people get excited about their faith. I get excited when I see people growing in their faith. I get excited when I see Tommy and his mother come into church I get excited when I see new believers and Christians. I get excited the other week when I was able to baptize 10 of you. Some of you were saved for a while. Some of you are brand new believers. But I get excited when I see people take that next step of faith and grow in their faith and work on their relationship. I get excited about those things. But you know what excites me even more? To be able to look at a family and know that that family is so faithful. That family is so committed. And they've got history of year after year after year after year after year that they've been faithful to God, that they've been obedient to the Lord, that they have been enduring. I think the writer of Hebrews, if I had just a one-sentence analogy of the entire book, and boy, there's some great doctrine in the book of Hebrews. But I think if I had to boil it all down to one sentence, I think it would be something like this. The emphasis is not necessarily running the race. The emphasis is finishing the race. Would you agree? What we need to focus on as believers and Christians is that we finish well. You know, I look back over my life and when I gave my life to Christ and where I was at that particular moment in my, in my Christian walk. And, and boy, I can look back and listen, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get married and, and didn't plan on being a pastor. I never planned on being a preacher. I never planned on being a home missionary and a church planner. I never planned on being in Illinois trying to build a church. I never planned on any of those things. I had other things that I had planned. But God got a hold of my heart. And if you would have told me 20-some years ago, 23 years ago, four years ago, when I recommitted my life to Christ and just sold out to following God, if you had told me then that I'd be right here where I am today, I would have laughed you out of the building. I said, there is no way, because then I was the young man that sat about where Brother Mark is sitting right now. And I sat around Debbie's family, and she had an, an aunt, Marilyn Maney, that's now gone on to heaven. And, and I would poke Marilyn on the shoulder. I would sit right behind her, and I'd say, now, Marilyn. Now, our pastor, he was notorious for just calling out anybody to pray. Derek, pray for us. I mean, that's kind of what he would say. And you, that's how much notice you had. And so I was scared to death to pray. And I just knew one day he's going to call on me. So, Mark, I was sitting back where you are, and I tapped Marilyn on the shoulder. I said, now, Marilyn, I'm back here today, and if he calls on me to pray, I am not praying, okay? I can't do that. I am not praying in front of this crowd of people. You pray for me. And she always had me covered, always. She 
let me rest assured, and I could sit there in that service now with the anxieties gone, knowing that she had my back, although she was sitting in front of me, she had my back. I do remember a service, though, when I was kind of zoning out. You've been there. I've seen you do that. <laughs> I do remember a particular service. I was zoning out a little bit, and I kind of got lost in something. I think I got lost in the Word, and I was really digging in the Scripture. So, no, 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 no. I kind of got just daydreaming. You, you've, you've done that, right? And I remember he said, John. And when he said, John, it absolutely scared me to death. I grabbed my wife's leg. I grabbed Marilyn on the shoulder. What's he doing? And Debbie said, it's okay. He said, turn to the book of John. Okay. (laughs) So I said all that to say this. I look back at my life and how I've grown in the faith and how I've grown in my relationship with Christ And how I've grown in my Bible knowledge, and I'm not, no way do I know everything there is to know in the Scripture. But I am a student of the book every single day. And how I've grown, and how sad it would be for me to fall out of the ministry right now. How sad it would be for me to quit right now. You see, because the race is not over. I haven't finished. It's not about, really, that I've accepted Christ and I'm here. It's about finishing well. Now, that's important. But we need to put some emphasis on how we finish. And we need to have some goals and desires and ambitions in our life that we finish well, spiritually speaking. I want you to listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. This is at the end of his life. And he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul finished well. And he left a tremendous legacy for anybody that would follow the path of Christianity. What a tremendous legacy he left because he finished well. May that be our heart's desire. May that be what we want more than anything else is that we finish well. Why? Well, for me, because my kids are watching. Hello? For me, because I've got family members that are unsaved that are watching. Hello? For me, I've got people that, being in the position I am, that that I influence. And boy, I sure don't want to lead anybody astray. It's important that we finish well. With that being our framework for the message, let me try to share with you out of verses 1 through 3. Three words of encouragement that will help you finish well. I just want to share, and I'll try to be as brief as I can, but look, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. And let's read the scripture, verse 1 down through 3. You follow along in your Bible. The Word of God says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, And run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source, some translations say author, the source or the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured the cross and and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Let me share with you three words of encouragement 
that will help you finish the race well that I think we can pull from these verses of Scripture. Number one, jot this down. It's on your sermon notes on the back of your bulletin, so please take those out. Number one, I want you to do this. I want you to draw inspiration from those who have gone on before. Draw inspiration. Whenever you think about quitting, I want you to think about those that have been faithful and those that have gone on before. As a matter of fact, if you will, in chapter 12 and verse number 1, the very first word in our Bibles is the word therefore. Now let me give you a little hermeneutical lesson. lesson. Whenever you see the word therefore, you need to stop and see what it is there for. It's connecting this chapter with the previous words that have already been spoken. Now, the writer says, therefore. What? Well, he's just mentioned in Hebrews chapter number 11, all of these great men and women of the faith that have walked and lived and finished well, lived their life ahead of us, and that have gone on to be with the Lord in heaven. Therefore, Since we also have this large crowd of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside these things. Guys, listen, whenever you think about quitting, I want you to think about those that have gone on before. Now, within the context of the Scripture, we look at Hebrews chapter number 11, and there's many different individuals. Matter of fact, I would encourage you sometime to take your Bible and just start in Hebrews chapter number 11 and see each individual that by faith they did this. Matter of fact, I've underlined and highlighted every single person that it's talking about in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 4 says, or actually verse 2 starts with, all of our ancestors. And then verse number 4 says, by faith, Abel. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch. And we go on down through there. By faith, Noah in verse 7. By faith, Abraham in verse 8. By faith, uh, Sarah down in verse 11. All the way down through this chapter, you'll find each individual that that finished well and a little bit about them is mentioned or said. Sometimes it's just their name that is mentioned. You know what you can find in the Old Testament? You can go back and find all of their stories. And you can read about every single one of these individuals that's in the great hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter number 11. And you can see their lives and you can see how they were faithful and how they endured and how they finished the spiritual race well. Whenever we think about quitting, whenever we think about giving up, whenever we get discouraged, I want you to draw inspiration from those who have gone on before. Matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews puts it in a pretty good analogy, and he says, we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. We're surrounded by them. Now, in the biblical days, when the writing of this actually took place, they were very familiar with that terminology. You've seen the old arenas, and there's thousands of people that would get in the arenas and, and, the, and the sportsmen would be down on the field and, and they would be there playing in front of the great crowd. We have it today in the Edward Jones Dome. I don't even know if it's called Edward Jones Dome anymore, is it? What's it called now? Is it still Edward Jones Dome? We have it in stadiums, Bush Stadium, all these stadiums. We have all these people that are cheering on the players. Guys, do you realize that that's what's taking place in our life? Now, there's probably a little bit of theological debate on whether or not the people that have gone on are really paying attention to every little thing in your life. And and I don't know that they really are paying attention to every little thing that goes on in our life. But I do know that there are some announcements that are made in heaven from time to time. And I do know that there is some cheering in heaven from time to time. And whenever we get discouraged, what we need to stop and think about are there some men and women that have been very faithful that have finished the race and they're up in heaven today and they're cheering 
preparing for us to finish well. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Let's look at a few of them, if you will. In verse number 7, it talks about Noah. Wow. You go back and you study and you read the life of Noah, and I'm not going to have time to preach all these different individuals. But you think about Noah, and he's the one that I probably go back to more than anything because of the great task that he had before him. I feel like I'm following right in his shoes. Now, granted, building a church is nothing like building the ark that he was doing, but here's where I kind of find my connection with Noah. How long did it take Noah to build that ark? The Scripture teaches us that 120 years he was building the ark. While he was building the ark, he was preaching, come and join me. Bring your families. Come on to the ark. Guys, do you realize that Noah preached 120 years without a convert? Do you realize that he preached 120 years while he was building that ark without a convert, but he was faithful, and when the floods came, he finished well? Amen? Not only did he preach 120 years, matter of fact, in our denomination, we turn in our church reports, and we turn in how many decisions have been made, how many baptisms, how many members we have, just so denominational-wise they can get a grip on some of that stuff. Do you think especially as a whole missionary as as I was and we were and, and a church plant. Do you think if year after year after year after year after year we're serving in an area and a hundred years later we don't have one person in the church? We haven't had one convert. Do you think somebody at the headquarters would be thinking, what's going on there? Do you think those that invest their missions dollars would start thinking, what's going on there? Sure we would. Noah was in that situation. Not only did he have the stress, really, that had to burden his heart, that no one was receiving his message while he's building this ark, but he also faced all the ridicule. He faced the fact that everybody was making fun of him. Noah, you are crazy. Do you realize at this particular moment in time it had never, ever rained? So the fact that rain was going to fall out of the sky was so out of the norm. It had never happened before. The scripture teaches that there was a, a mist, a, a, there was a mist that just came up out of the ground and that's how everything was watered. There was no rain that fell from the sky. But Noah's saying it's going to rain. It's going to come a flood. Can you imagine the ridicule that he took for the message that he preached? Guys, when you live your Christian life, you're going to be ridiculed. When you make a stand on particular something that God, God's Word says, in this world, they're going to look at you and they'll say, that's peculiar. What is up with that? Oh, there's nothing true about that. But let me encourage you this. Noah was a patient man. Now, if I've got any weakness in my life, it's the fact that I'm not real patient. I know that. Matter of fact, I want things to happen and I want them to happen now. And sometimes I think God just allows me to grow through pain and heartache and agony so that he can teach me how to be patient. 
But whenever I get impatient and whenever I start getting discouraged, and especially in, in the transition that we're in here at this church, there's been moments when I'm thinking, I don't know if I can lead this group. I don't know if I can lead this church. I don't know if we can ever do it. And, I, and sometimes I want to throw in the towel. And it's then that I get inspiration from those that have gone on before, and it feels like I can just feel Noah put his hand on my shoulder, and he'll say, boy, he said, I preached 120 years and nobody listened to me. Just be patient. Just wait on God. His promises are true. What he said will come to pass. Amen? Guys, that's what I'm talking about. Whenever I talk about finishing well, there's going to be times when we get discouraged. And if you're sitting here today and you can honestly tell me that you've never been discouraged in your walk with the Lord, you've never been discouraged as a Christian, and there's never come a time in your life when you've wanted to quit, I would question whether you're truly a child of God or not. Because there's going to be times. There's going to be times when we get discouraged. Why? It's a spiritual battle that we're in. And one of the great tools of Satan is the tool of discouragement. Just to get us discouraged. Amen? I've been there. And boy, when you get there, I want you to finish well. So what's one of the ways that we can finish well? We can draw inspiration from those that have gone on before him. We look at Noah. We look at Abraham in verse number 8. Called out of the earth of the Chaldees. Abraham, where are you going? I don't know, just following God. Abraham, you going to give up all this? Yep, just following God. Where are you going? Don't know. Do you realize, guys, Abraham didn't have a clue where he was going? He just knew that he was going to a place where the builder and the maker is God. That's all he knew. Packed up his family and moved. Wow. But not only that, later, God says, Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you and your seed. And boy, your, your, your family's going to be so large that, you, I mean, Abraham, can you count the numbers of stars in the sky? Can you count the sand on the seashore? Abraham was, no, I can't count that. He said, that's how I'm going to bless your family. Well, Abraham's looking around and well, he don't even have one son born yet. And God's saying, I'm going to bless you like the stars in the heaven and the sand on the sea. And finally, at a ripe old age, around 100, God says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. <laughs> Matter of fact, Sarah even laughed. When he went and told Abraham, Sarah said, Sarah, God's going to give us a son. She, <laughs> there's one problem. I'm, I'm around 100 years old. I can't birth a child in at 100 years old. God said he's going to do it. God gave him a son. God heard and answered the prayer, and, and God fulfilled his promise and gave him a son. But then God says, Abraham, I want you now to sacrifice that son. And I want you to take him up on the mountain and just sacrifice him. Give him back to me. You realize Abraham did that? And of course, God stayed his hand. He did not have to sacrifice his son Isaac. But the point I'm trying to make is, through all these ups and downs in Abraham's life, God's been faithful. Amen? God has been faithful to Abraham, and he'll be faithful to you. And I think the word that we can get from Abraham is, he would say, trust God, follow him, obey him, listen to him. He's got a wonderful plan for your life, but you're just going to have to trust him. Wow, that's some inspiration we can draw. Uh, there's more. Boy, you look at the life of Joseph. It's mentioned over in verse 22. By faith, Joseph. And You think about Joseph. He went down to visit his brothers. His brothers beat him up and, and told dad that, that he'd been killed. And they threw him down into a, an empty cistern, a hole in the ground with somewhat like an old well, and threw him down there, pulled him up out of there, sold him to some 
People coming by almost like traveling gypsies, if you will, sold them to them, went down into Egypt. While he's down in Egypt, he gets um, somewhat falsely accused, if you will, and winds up in a prison in jail. So now he's in jail, he's down in a prison. I mean, Joseph's life is down, 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 down. If anybody had reason to quit, it was Joseph. But he was faithful, and he trusted God, and God brought him up in due time. Guys, listen, we can draw encouragement from these that have gone on before. Not only in the Scripture, but we also can draw encouragement from those that we know and love that have gone on to be with the Lord. Many of you have loved ones that are there. Some of your parents are there. Some of your grandparents are there. Some of your, possibly some of your, yeah, I know some of your children are there. I mean, listen, we've got, we've got loved ones that are there. And we need to draw inspiration from them whenever we think about throwing in the towel because it's all about finishing well, enduring until the end, endurance. The second thing I want to share with you is this. Not only draw inspiration from those who have gone on before, but prepare yourself for the struggles that are sure to come. Prepare yourself for the struggles that are sure to come. Look what it says in chapter 12, the latter part of verse number 1 says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us. Guys, listen, there's going to be some trouble in your life. There's going to be some difficulties. And, and whenever we think about running this race, what we need to do is prepare ourselves for this race. I mean, we're going to have to prepare ourselves to endure. Well, how do we do that? Well, the Scripture talks about some weights and it talks about some sins that ensnare us or entangle us or that hinders us or that weighs us down. Some of those things we've got to drop out of our life if we want to finish well. Let's look, if you will, where he talks about weights. What are some examples of some weights that the writer of Hebrews says that we need to lay aside so that we will endure, so that we will finish well? What are some possible weights that we may have? Well, the first word I want you to write down is the word people. Now, sometimes there are people in our life that are really weights in our life that hinder us from running this Christian race. Now, I don't want you to elbow your spouse because I'm not talking about your husband or your wife. Hello? And and, and something else, I want to clarify this. I'm not talking about all unsaved or unchurched people. We need to have some relationships with people that do not know the Lord. We need to have some relationships with people that are unchurched, that are not saved. So that we can build a bridge into their life and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be that that mediator between them and God and share the message with them and love them and care for them and serve for them. So I'm not necessarily talking about every lost person in your life. Listen, I am not saying put them out of your life. But I am saying this. Sometimes the crowds that we, we run with, especially as a young Christian, this is where I discovered this principle. Sometimes they go to places I shouldn't be in. Sometimes they're doing things I should not be involved in as a Christian, as a believer. Now, you can still have a friendship with them, but you don't have to do what they're doing. Hello? That may be a weight. You see, there are some things that you're going to have to put aside. Not that you don't love them, not that you don't care for them, not that you don't want to befriend them, but whenever they come up to you and they say, and this is kind of how it was for me, hey, we're going to so-and-so bar. Or we're going to do this. We're all going to go and drink. You want to come? Sorry, guys. That's where I draw the line. I can't go any farther. I can't go do that. Because that was a weight that eventually would turn into a sin. And that would hinder my relationship with the Lord. 
So sometimes I think there are people in our life that possibly could be a weight. You discern who those are. I'm not telling you not love them, and I'm not telling you not to befriend them, but I'm saying you can't run all the time with the world and do the things they do and let your light shine. Sometimes there's got to be some separation there, okay? People. Secondly, possessions. Weights possibly could be some possessions. Matter of fact, some may have possessions that are hindering us from running the race well and possibly even finishing well. There's nothing wrong with stuff. But when stuff does become a weight and sin is when it's all we live for. It's our number one priority in life. And it's all we're trying to, to, to get a hold of. Listen, sometimes possessions can be weights. If there's anything in your life that's hindering you in your relationship with Christ, you need to get rid of it. Whether it's the crowds you run with, whether it's possessions that you have. Thirdly, write this word down, practices. Now, I put a P in there just to keep it all with the letter P, but what I simply mean are habits. Possibly there's some habits in your life that are weights, things that are hindering you. Now, I'm not going to sit here and start expounding on habits that I think are weights that could be sin, because I may mention a few and leave out one, and you think, well, he gave me an exhaustive list. This must be okay. No, I'm not even going to go there and do that. But you know if you've got a habit that's not a good habit. You know if you've got some practices in your life that you're involved in because the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. It's not my job to convict you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's my job just to share the message. What practices do you have in your life right now that could possibly hinder you in your walk with the Lord and hinder you in finishing well? Well, you need to bathe that in prayer. You need to ask the Lord to reveal those to you so that you can finish well, okay? Then we go on to sin. Not only are there weights, but there's also sin. The Bible says that we are to lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us. That word ensnare just simply means to cling or distract or slow us down or trip us up. Could you imagine as you look at all these runners around this area? Man, every time I drive, it seems like I see people run. I see Mark running a lot. I would love to be able to run. I'd love to be able to run. Patty running these marathons. I would love to be able to get out there and just take off for 15 miles. I mean, I did 15 miles a day. Oh, good not. You ran 15 miles? Why do you think they invented cars? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I would love to be able to run like that. Number one, my right knee would not handle it. And number two, my heart and my body so out of shape. There's no way in the world I can even get there. But can you imagine running? Now, when you see these runners, do you see them running in, in blue jeans and, and a big overcoat and, and gloves and, and all this attire? No. What are they doing? They're throwing off the weights. They're throwing off the clothing. They're throwing off and, and, and trying to get it down to where they can run in clothing that does not hinder them or ensnare them or entangle them or distract or, or burden them. You know, you look at these track and field and some of those uniforms, and that's probably why I would never run track and field. I, I don't know if I could get in a pair of spandex like that. Uh-uh. Don't even go there. Don't even visualize it. I don't even want or, or, or the swimmers, and, you know, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'll stick the basketball where our shorts are down right here, and we, you know. But what are they doing? They're trying to lay aside these things. 
that would, that would slow them down, that would distract them so that they can run the race or swim the race or whatever it is they're doing well. The same thing in our life, guys, and I promise you, sin will entangle you. Matter of fact, sin is not going to start off really big. It's going to start off small. It's going to be a little something that you dibble in, a little something that you play around in, a little something that possibly you're involved in, and you may think, boy, I've got a handle on it. And all of a sudden, you look down the road, months later, a year later, whatever the case may be, and you may think to yourself, boy, I never intended to go this far. Because here's what sin will do. Sin will take you further than you want to go. And sin will cost you more than you want to pay. And unfortunately, it will keep you longer than you want to stay. Hello? So early on in your life, in your Christian walk, you've got to lay aside these sins because they will hinder you. And once again, I'm not even going to list a whole list of sins. I may leave out one, and you think that one's okay. It's not my job to convict you. It's my job to share. But you ought to pray and say, Lord, what is it in my life right now that's hindering me? What is it that I need to lay aside? And this is a prayer you ought to pray daily. God, convict me. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. Convict me, Lord. Show me in my life where the problems are. And help me to get in alignment with you. Why? Because I want to finish well. Let me give you the third word of encouragement I think we can find. Not only draw inspiration from others that have gone on before, not only to prepare ourselves for the struggles that are to come by laying aside the weights and the sins, but thirdly, and it's, boy, it's so evident there, you need to focus your attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number two. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author, the source, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured the cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Guys, the only way you're going to finish well is when you keep your eyes on Jesus. That's just it. That's the message. The only way you're going to finish well, keep your eyes on Jesus. I promise you, if you start looking around at circumstances, if you start looking around at people, if you look too long at me, it'll cause you to stumble. Hello? Keep your eyes on Jesus. If you want to finish well, you got to look to him. He's the author. He's the source. He's the finisher. He's the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that endured the cross. He's the one that lived a sinless life. He's the one that suffered all of the ridicule and, and, and all of the, the beatings and, and all the every He suffered it all and died on the cross for you. He's the one that was buried. He's the one that rose again the third day. He's the one on the right hand of God's throne. He's the one that's there praying for you and making intercession for you. The book of Timothy that says there's one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. He's the one that you need to look to. And guys, if we are going to finish well, we must focus our attention on Christ. Guys, it's easy to want to quit. And there are times and things that come up in our life and we get discouraged, we want to quit. And it may be quit a particular ministry. Some may be discouraged, say, you know what? I don't know that I'm cut out to be a Sunday school teacher. Maybe I just need to quit. Some may be in the choir and say, you know what? I don't know if I can do all this. Maybe I just need to quit. Some may be involved in men's ministry, and you're thinking, boy, I don't know if I need to do all this. Maybe I'll just quit. Some of you are going to get in the ladies' ministry, the Bible study, and there's about 28 of you right now that have signed up. And I promise you, here's what's going to take place. I know it is. You're going to get excited the first day, and you're going to be excited the second and you're going to get excited the third. 
And then you're going to think, boy, this is a lot of study. Boy, this is a lot of reading. I don't know if I'll go back the next one. Maybe, I, maybe I'll go back, but maybe I just won't do the workbook. Or maybe I'll go back this time and you're back for three or four more. And maybe, boy, I just don't have time for the workbook anymore. Maybe I just won't do that. I'll just read my Bible. And maybe you go another one. And, man, maybe I'll just stay at home, read my Bible, and do the workbook. I don't have time to go to classes. You see, it's easy to quit. Hello? Guys, you with me today? I want to see you finish well. And to finish well, you're going to have to put some disciplines in your life. You're going to have to purpose in your heart you're going to go with God. Look, look and draw inspiration from those that have gone on before. Prepare yourself. Remove the weights and the sins that so easily entangle us and snare us, hinder us. And then focus your attention on Christ. You think about Peter when he got out of the boat. Why did he, he start sinking? By the way, he's the only man that ever walked on water beside Jesus. Don't beat him up too bad. Hello? But why did he start sinking when he did what? When he took his eyes off the Lord and he put his eyes on his circumstances and he saw those waves, how boisterous they were and he thought, my goodness, what in the world am I doing out here? And he started to sink. The same thing happened to you when you get your eyes off Jesus. I've sat through numerous counseling sessions with individuals that are struggling spiritually and it almost always boils down to the battle they're having is simply because they've taken their eyes off the Lord. and They're looking at people they're looking at circumstances. They're looking at things around them. And guys, I promise you, when you do that, you're going to get discouraged. It's going to be real easy to throw in the towel. Focus your attention on Jesus. Run the race with patience. Don't lose heart. Don't become discouraged. Decide in your heart you're going to finish well. Determine that you're going to endure I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I would like to give you a two-fold invitation. And here's what I'd like for you to do. Every head bowed, every eye is closed. And I'm going to ask our deacons and their wives, they're going to make their way to the back to be there to pray with you. If you have a need, they're there. If you just want somebody to put a hand on your shoulder and pray with you and encourage you, that's why they're there. They're there at every invitation. And they're just, if you need encouragement, they're there. You can pray in your seats. If you need to go back and talk to someone, you can go back there and they'll pray with you. But I've got a two-fold invitation. Number one, if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, that's where it must begin. And I want to ask you right now, will you simply just ask Christ to forgive you Believe that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose again, and ask him to forgive you, to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior and begin a relationship with him. Father, I, I pray for that individual this morning. God, maybe there's someone here that's not sure of their salvation. and Right now, God, may they sincerely pray from their heart something like this. God, Forgive me. I'm a sinner. I believe that you love me. You died for me. You were buried for me. You rose again for me. You're interceding for me. Today, be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I give my life to you. Maybe there's some here that's already prayed that prayer. His heads are still bowed, eyes closed. 
maybe you've gotten discouraged. Maybe you're thinking, boy, is it really worth it? Maybe you're thinking, boy, you know, this whole church thing, I don't know if I can do it. Maybe you're at the point of quitting. I want to encourage you today to keep on keeping on. Don't get discouraged. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't quit. Draw inspiration from those that have gone on before. Prepare yourself by laying aside the weights and the sin. Focus your attention on the Lord. But if that's you this morning, I want you to know that I have already prayed for you. Or this week in my preparation, I was praying. Because I know how easy it is to get discouraged. And I know how easy it is that, boy, old Satan just suits that fiery dart of, boy, won't you just quit into our heart. And sometimes we entertain that. But I've spent some time already praying for this invitation. And I don't know what the response is going to be. But if you're here today and you've entertained the idea of quitting and you've thought about, boy, just stepping aside, it's just not worth it. I'm going to ask you, when we sing this song of invitation, that you won't just do business there in your seat. That you'll take this seriously. And you'll get up and you'll go back to one of these deacons and their wives. And you will say, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? We've all been there. Just admit that you're there and get the help that you need. And sometimes it's just somebody to put their hand on our shoulder and maybe just give us a hug and just tell us to hang in there and to pray with us. And maybe that's all we need. But guys, I want you to finish well. I enjoy running the race with you. But more importantly, I want you to finish well. I'm going to pray. And as soon as I finish praying, we're going to sing this song of invitation. And if you have a need, I'm going to encourage you to get up out of your seat and walk to the back and have someone pray with you today. Get the encouragement that you need today. Father, I commit this time of invitation to you. And Father, I just pray that your will will be done. And God, I know, I can't, I know that there are individuals that struggle with Satan wanting them to quit and getting discouraged. God, help us to endure. Help us, God, to finish well. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to draw inspiration from those that have gone on before. Help us to prepare ourselves for this race by laying aside the weights and the sins. And Father, maybe you've fingered around in someone's heart already and you've identified some weights or some sins in their lives that need to be laid aside. Right now, God, help us to take this time seriously and to do business with you. In Jesus' name we pray.